Welcome to First Turn, where we play board games for the first time and discuss our immediate reactions. It's like book club, but for board games. I'm Eric, and with me is Kiwi and BP. Hello. Hi. Today we're going to be playing Nit de Velier. <laughs> Wait, that's under the stallion. <laughs> that, yeah, that's uh, yeah. I tried to do it like and, the guy in the video. Nothing, yeah, nothing like the guy in the video. Nita Vettier? Yeah, sounds more close. Designed by Zerger Leggett of Shadows Over Camelot and uh, some other games. And the, art- <laughs> <laughs> the artist is Jean-Marie Minquez of uh, ooh, Mr. Jack Pocket. I think we played that, right? Well, we played Mr. Jack. Mr. Jack Pocket apparently is like a even smaller version that's more has more card play than the little discs that we also moved around. And it is published in 2020 by Pegasus Spiel. The description is uh, the game's title, The Dwarven Kingdom, is threatened by the dragon Fafnir as a venerable Elveland. You've been appointed by the king. Search through very... Search through every tavern in the kingdom, hire the most skillful dwarves, recruit the most prestigious heroes, and build the best battalion you can to defeat your mortal enemy. The mechanics are card drafting, constrained bidding, set collection, simultaneous action selection, turn order auction, victory points as a resource. Yeah, and then constrained bidding. So we've played five tribes where there was very specific things that you could bid. Uh, So constrained bidding means that players can't just bid anything they want. It's a certain combination, or maybe they can only bid in increments. Uh, So that's what constraint bidding is. Uh, And then the box art is um, a very dramatic uh, dwarf looking at a dragon over some mountains. Yeah, it's it's very white on the outside. Actually, uh, in the show notes, I put a border on the picture because it just (laughs) blended right into the page. Um, But yeah, it's like a... Like a, it almost looks like a maybe like a, a charcoal picture almost mm-hmm. a little bit, uh, and it says Nita Viltier in the middle, and then there's like a a person with a battle axe and a and a cloak down at the bottom, and then you can see a dragon, your traditional like Western dragon mm-hmm. uh, in the distance. Uh, would you put it off a shelf? Yeah, th- yeah, I was gonna go with you first because <sighs> uh, you put it on the list. I know they talked about it on Shut Up and Sit Down, and then I saw it at Gen Con at a table. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I just know I had a lot of hype around it. I didn't really pay attention to much on how it was played or anything. So Okay, um, so based on the cover, would you pick it up? It has a pretty cool cover look. It's different. I don't know if it would tell me much about the gameplay, though. And based on the gameplay, though, I do like the, the auction. We do like usually some bidding, some auctioning. Um, I like the idea of going tavern to tavern. You're not like doing any war stuff. You're just finding dwarves and taverns. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that's interesting. So yeah, I think I'd pull it off the shelf. BP, what about you? Yeah, the art's a little, it is interesting. I, I don't know. I, I think it, around the same uh, kind of as Eric, where the, the art just doesn't, I don't know, really like pull you in, but it is different. So that's intriguing. I think you would need to know a little bit more about what the game is about. Because again, like the idea of a dragon in the background and some sort of, you know, if you just went by the cover, you'd be like, oh, there's a million like of these kind of trope type games. And there's nothing that really tells you a whole lot of what it is about. But uh, the description does sound pretty exciting. I, again, just going to have to agree with Eric. The idea of just going tavern to tavern sounds way more fun than 
you know, your typical, I'm going to go off and fight a dragon kind of idea. I think if I glanced at the box and I saw like, okay, it's got Norse runes on it. It looks like a, a very, you know, battle. I would assume this is another like minis on a map style, mm-hmm. on a blood rage type game. Yeah, I think based on the description, I would pick it up because just like you guys, I think the idea, like it, it, if it's true to what the description is, that theme seems more interesting than you actually going to fight Fafnir. Um, the art, while I do like it, uh, and Norse mythology is probably of all the mythologies out there, I think Norse mythology is, is my favorite. Here is the one problem. Mm. It has been co-opted by some not good people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like, even if you are into Norse mythology and you're not a huge white supremacist racist, <laughs> um, because of those people, it can be construed that way. I'm always reminded of that guy at the, at the, at the, the vet that one time that saw your tattoo. Oh yeah. And like was very certain that it was a, a German iron cross. Uh, which it, it's it is a medieval military symbol, right? So, so that is Saint that Michael's is the, order. So yeah, I, yeah. Unless you are a medievalist, so so the, it, I would say no. If it was based just on the art, I would I would pick it up based on the description, uh, and not that I'm turned off by the art, and not that I'm turned off by the theme. It's I just, just stupid people ruin things. Stupid mm-hmm. people have ruined things, and now I have. Now I have the concern <laughs> and I would, I would probably do more research about the people who made it mm-hmm. and the company who published it, which Pegasus Spiel, uh, probably okay. But like the, the designer and stuff, I would probably do more research before I like went further into it, if that makes sense. So how do we think it's played? Yeah. Uh, well, we're going to Tavern. Is this just a deck builder? No, it didn't say deck building. So I'm hope- Simultaneous hoping Simultaneous action selection. So I think we're going to show up to a tavern. There's going to be a bunch of dwarves there. Some of them mm-hmm. are skilled. Some of them aren't. Some of them are drunk. Some of them are not. See, I wasn't going. I wasn't <laughs> going to go to that trope. Um, I guess we are in a tavern though. So, so yeah. Just a, and then I bet like the heroes are like the the super skilled dwarves. Um, so like okay. you're going to have some heroes. You're going to have some skilled, and then you're going to have some just drunks. Um, right. And then you're going to be bidding on them. So you're like, I bid two copper on the on the drunk one, <laughs> which now we're going right back into slavery. <laughs> hey, no, you're like higher, higher. <laughs> we're not bidding on them. We're we are right. offering them right, yeah, we're, contracts. We're, we're, yes. we're bidding on the pay for them. Like, you know, yeah. I'm contracts. Gonna, I'll yeah. pay you contracts. two copper and you're going to pay for yeah, copper. Yeah, we're competing for we're competing for contracts. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, we're auctioning a turn order, too, because that's stated out so we're gonna auction Oof. so we're gonna have to we're gonna auction for the turn order and then we're gonna pay contracts for dwarves and we're gonna try to get good dwarves um and then we're gonna have to have a bizarre skill set um for fashion mm-hmm. for set yeah for set collection so victory points as a resource so i guess like the more victory points you have like the more you can bid i'm gonna guess victory points are money so you have to spend money in order to make money, as they say. Yeah. Mm, as the gotta, they say. <laughs> got to burn a book to build a library, as they say. Oh, you go, oh, man. <laughs> exactly. exactly. The worst ever. All right. I think we got it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then, right, we're, well, the- then we're just going to stay at the tavern talking about fighting Fafnir and never actually do it. 
Yeah. 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 I was well, wondering. Well, don't be the guy at the bar who claims he's already fought Fafnir. Everyone knows. Yeah. This is how you become a hero. You don't actually leave the bar. You just talk about yourself at the bar until everyone just believes it. Right. True. All right. Well, the history of uh, recruiting people to fight dragons. Uh, well, so based on some of our previous correspondence about the game, I did actually almost go with uh, the history of gibberish. But uh, then when I found out about dwarves, I don't think we've actually gone, you know, deeply into kind of the, the history of Rune dwarves. Obviously, we know they're associated with Norse mythology, um, but I think our ideas have been obviously been changed based on a lot of actually early 20th century um, changes, but um, made to kind of familiarize them more and more. And so it was actually kind of history interesting looking at the history of uh, dwarves in folklore, because based on some of the Proto-Germanic uh, groups of people who then and now we call Norse people, uh, you're right, because they eventually migrated into those areas of uh, Scandinavia and Northern uh, Europe around the North Sea, if you will. Um, many of them then eventually wrote down some of their mythologies, which did involve some dwarves who have like a, a wide range of kind of what you might call in common traits. Um, not very many of them very positive. Uh, many of the dwarves in some of these stories get uh, tagged with being kind of uh, murderous, uh, <laughs> murderous uh, creators of like uh, certain types of lore or like uh, sexual predators of lusty goddesses. Uh, every once in a while, probably the most positive uh, way that they come up in some of these uh, stories are for being able to create right artifacts with uh, magical qualities. And I would say that is then what the 20th century uh, fictional developers focused in on and kind of shunted the others aside. Um, so the idea, especially that we have now of dwarves have come to us through, of course, J.R.L. Tolkien, which then, of course, many of the early uh, developers of D&D would base much of their right creations of different creatures um, on. Uh, but don't forget, there was also uh, Brothers Grimm uh, and Snow White that also portrayed early dwarves. Um, it's also interesting to note that much of the dwarven uh, kind of literature did not even become written until about the 13th century, which is also about the time that much of uh, these the peoples who would have been telling those folklores were also Christianized. Um, so it's it's it, one of those like really interesting portrayals of oral oral stories uh, eventually getting written down much more kind of modern than you might say of some of the other mythologies that we discuss, like Greek mythology or Roman mythology, which is just really kind of almost Greek mythology reshaded. But anyway, uh, I also learned that dwarves in the original poems were not necessarily, necessarily always little people. In fact, uh, because they were actually usually seen as a kind of mischievous negative type creatures, 
the translation of some of the words uh, would then translate as uh, short. So I just, I thought, I thought that was kind of interesting because we now really associate, right? Doors with having to be like of a certain stature in right size. And Fafnir was a dwarf prior to being turned into a dragon. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, so Loki, Odin, and one of the other gods were traveling around, and they found an otter, uh, and they killed it and skinned it, um, not realizing that the otter was just an otter in the daytime, but in the nighttime, it was the son of one of the kings of the area. Mm. So that king captured the gods, and then in order to uh, have a um, a ransom... Uh, he sent Loki out to fill up the otter skin, which we'll recognize again was his son. <laughs> uh, had to fill it with gold, and then uh, I forget the name of the dwarf that turned into Fafnir, but he got very, very jealous and killed the king in order to get the gold. And then he turned into a dragon in order to protect, protect his gold. gold. Uh, yeah, because it was fill the gold, fill the, the otter skin with gold, and then cover the otter skin in red gold. Wow. Um, yeah, and then Sigurd. Uh, then had to go, he was, uh, not tricked, but somebody, I forget his name, but somebody who was against the dwarf, uh, who turned into Fafnir basically, uh, convinced Sigurd to go kill, uh, Fafnir because Fafnir, uh, could like spit poison and stuff. And then obviously there was a ton of gold up there. Mm -hmm. Um, that'd be great if like, sometimes when somebody gets a lot of money, they just become a dragon. Yeah. Yeah. Go <laughs> oh, look. Tuesday, Jeff Bozos became a, a dragon today. Yeah. Just like a normal reporting on the news. <laughs> like, ah, yes, our most recent billionaire has become a dragon in order to protect his horde. Okay. Uh, well, I mean, you guys weren't too far off with some of what you said for the rules. Uh, so we are Elvalands, which means we're members of the council and the chief of war mandated by the king of dwarves to form an army capable of defeating Fafnir. We're going to visit the taverns of the land to recruit skillful dwarves and heroes to build the best army. Uh, the one who builds the bravest army gets the honor of fighting Fafnir. Uh, so the game takes place over two ages. The length of an age is determined by the player count. Uh, so for us, it will be four turns per age. If we had more players, it would be three. Uh, there's no first player. Each turn is made up of the following sequence. So first, enter the dwarves. Uh, so we're just going to... Why does it sound so again? Well, because I feel like the name is just very like dramatic. Enter the dwarves. Bring forth the meat. Lay forth the long guns. I wish to give this foe what for. Um, so we're going to deal out uh, cards from the current age equal to the player count to each of the taverns. So that's part one. Part two, we're going to bid. So players will take note of their five coins. So everyone's going to have five coins. We're going to start with uh, coins zero, two, three, four, and five. Okay. Uh, so you're going to, on your player board, you have a symbol for each one of the uh, taverns. You're, so you're going to play one of your coins face down to that tavern. And the last two coins are just going to go in your coin pouch. Uh, so that's part two. Part three, we're going to reveal our bid. So when the bids are revealed, the highest coin goes first. In case of a tie, the player with the highest gym value goes first. Uh, and the players uh, with the highest, lowest value, the players in turn order then select a card from the current tavern. So the types of cards that we will see, we could see a dwarf. 
Uh, so players... Uh, you could see something other than a dwarf? You could. You could see a royal offering. Uh, so royal offering, you're just going to get immediately what's on the, the card. So for the dwarves, we have uh, different professions. So we have warriors, explorers, miners, hunters, and blacksmiths. Uh, so what you're going to do is we are building out rows that have each of those professions in it. So if you have a row that doesn't have that profession that you've just collected, you'll put it in that row. If you already have that profession in that row, you're just going to create a column. So we're creating rows and columns of these uh, dwarves. If you complete a row, then you recruit a hero. Uh, And then if you recruit a hero, you can also do, or if you play the zero coin, you can also do a coin trade. So you can trade it by adding the values of the two coins in your pouch, discarding the highest coin in your pouch and replacing it with the value uh, that it added up to. So say you had two and three in your pouch, that would add up to five. So you would discard the three and you would change it out with a five coin. So now at that point, you would have two five coins uh, and they'll go up. So uh, on the tray, if they're, if you're ever supposed to take a value that doesn't exist, you'll take the next highest. If there isn't a next highest, then you'll take the next lowest. Okay. So once all the taverns have been resolved, the next turn is played in the same manner. At the end of the first age, players will receive distinction for having the majority of dwarves in each role. This will grant some bonuses. The age two cards are then shuffled and play is done the same way for those four turns. The game ends after the final turn in age two and the final score is calculated. Now I'm going to go over this and obviously we're going to go over it again at the end because this is some of the most convoluted scoring I've ever seen. Okay. Okay, so here goes. The Warriors. So Warriors are red and they will have bravery points in the top left. So we're going to add up the bravery points and whatever the total is, is how much you get. Whoever has the most ranks, which are going to be the little pennants on the side of the card, will get an additional uh, points equal to their highest coin value that they have left. Okay, that's warriors. Explorers, you're just going to total up their bravery points. I believe they're yellow. Miners, uh, I think, are uh, blue. uh, And the bravery points are totaled and then multiplied by the number of minor ranks. Okay. Uh, hunters are green and you're going to square the number of hunter ranks. Okay. Wow. Blacksmiths, blacksmiths are purple. The bravery points are a mathematical sequence. Oh, geez. Oh, geez. <laughs> now, the nice part is, oh. is that the, the rangers and the blacksmiths have a chart on the side. So you just go to where you hit uh, and then it'll tell you your score. So you don't actually have to do the math. So uh, then you're also going to total all the bravery points for your neutral heroes Then you're going to total the value of all the coins you have, and the winner is the player with the highest score. And then you take the square root of that. (laughs) Right. (laughs) There is no tie. So if we do all that math and there's still a tie, there's no tiebreaker. You have to arm wrestle. Everyone gets to lead their army against Fafnir. That's tied. Um, So yes, those are the rules. So the game is really just a precursor to the actual game of scoring. Yes. Let's play. Let's math. We just finished a game of Nidaveltir. 
to uh, recap, uh, I had 221 explorer points. <laughs> BP had 237 blacksmith points. And Kiwi had 280 well-rounded points. Yeah, it does seem pretty well-rounded. Yeah. You're boring. Okay. <laughs> All right, oh, Kiwi, my, how'd you he win? wins. <laughs> boring win. Uh, yeah, I just tried to get a little bit of everything. I tried to gun for ones that were what, like, that I knew I needed. And so I put down my tokens based on, like, where I wanted to win the most. And on taverns where I didn't care, that's where I put my zero token to trade up. I feel like Eric did a much better job of trading up. Yeah, so that was, that was my, that was my plan. That's what I would do. I mean, I feel like that's what every, that's, I mean, the strategy, but then like, you know, at some points you just have to improvise. And when Kiwi got that special thing at the end of age one, I didn't realize we didn't get those at the age of friend two or whatever yeah, those things are. Age two was the end of the game. Yeah. So I kind of went for blacksmiths at that point because it was really hard to continue to fill up rows, but whatever. Yeah. I think the. Biggest strategy difference would be coming your selection of the heroes, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, my my general strategy, I guess, was coins. I got a hero that helped me upgrade coins, so then I tried to upgrade coins. So I ended up with mm-hmm. generally having the highest coins. But I, I mean, it was a decent number of points. But I feel like just looking at the boards, I had a lot less cards than you guys had. <laughs> that didn't seem to work great. Oh, yeah. You took all three royal decrees. Right. So I was just going for high tokens thinking. And then the one time at the last round when I really needed a certain card, I didn't get it anyway. So having super high tokens didn't really seem to help me that much. Um, I feel like you need them early on. And then because mm-hmm. the high tokens don't help you at the well, I mean, they're points at the end. But when I played them, I was like, OK, well, there's two of the three of the same thing. So it didn't really matter which card I got. Um, I also started thinking like set collection was a thing. So I went with like a lot of explorers and stuff, but mm-hmm. um, theme. Did you feel like you were gathering an army to fight Fafnir? No, I was I was getting cards that matched a certain color to fill out a board. Yeah. Yep. Agree. I was I was collecting ranks and numbers. I was mm-hmm. not collecting people to we we did use the names kind of explorer, warrior, ranger. But yeah, other than that. No, I wonder if because uh, like at the at the very end, BP was like, OK, so you fought the dragon. What happened? And, you know, like role player had nothing at the end. You just right. built your character and it was done. And so the expansion added like, OK, now you actually fight something. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wonder if like this is kind of in that same boat where it kind of needed hey, something at the end. I don't think it needs it at the end. I think they could just cut out. You're going to go fight Fafnir at the end. I don't think it would really add to the theme to be like, OK, now you go fight the dragon because there's not really any at least role player had like the dice and it kind of had the mechanics in place to just add it in at the end yeah this would be like a whole just different game um table presence bp i mean the cards are i mean they're kind of cool uh and it does look a little bit different i think so you might maybe um yeah so i for bp i brought up uh eric if you want to do the same thing it's in the it's in the uh the Google Drive, if you bring up the rule book and you go to page five, uh, it's a, a bit different than what it looks like on Tabletop Simulator. The Tabletop Simulator model is good. The scripting is good. Uh, I think the table presence for this game is quite good. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of stuff on the table and I think it would draw you in. So like there's big uh, cardboard punch outs for the tavern symbols. 
And that's where you put all the cards. Uh, there's a stand that you put all the coins on. There's a stand for all the heroes. So everything is kind of like up and displayed and out. And I think it would be, it would look interesting. I think this would catch my eye and I mm -hmm. would stop and look to see what it is. It is hard to see some of the art mm -hmm. and the art is covered up when you put them in the heroes and the stands and when you put them on your army. So there is that, but there is a lot of interesting things to look at that I think would stop me. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I saw it at Gen Con. It, it did catch my eye. Um, okay. It has that kind of, they had the stark white brand branding kind of going on around it. And then was sort mm -hmm. of just that little bit of splash of uh, thing on like their backdrop. And then, yeah, like this, the layout, the way the little stands are, the lo little uh, tavern emblems, it does look good on the table. The card art I'm met on, like it has that kind mm -hmm. of, again, that kind of charcoal style realistic look, which is, it's good. Um, but it just doesn't, I, I think we, I think we might all be in the same, but we kind of just like colorful art. That's you know, yes. kind of more uh, uh, in line with like the golem game we played last week. Uh, yeah. Century golem. I, mm -hmm, I, yeah. I was mm -hmm. going to bring up that I get the, like the black and white and the gold there, but it kind of just makes it a little bit boring from a design. It does help. Cause then the colors are so important and they do pop out. Right. So I think yeah, right. from yeah, yeah, a design, yeah. it's actually I was thinking when you said that really well done. And I don't need know that it needs super flashy art because it, yeah, it kind of does it with everything else, but plus it, it does get covered up. So it's like, you, yeah. you would make this flashy art and it would get covered up, which I think was a complaint for museum picture was we had these, these mm -hmm. great art pieces, but then you would cover most of it. Up. Right. Uh, mechanics Kiwi. I thought the most interesting piece was actually the coin play and the bidding, actually, because mm -hmm. you had to kind of manage, you know, when do I, how do I bid? When do I change yeah, out? which one do I want? Which one do I want? Um, so I thought the bidding was the most interesting aspect. The rest of it was just, it's mechanics we've played with before. Mm -hmm. I don't think we've played with, it, with any kind of bidding mechanics similar to this, and I found that interesting. Yeah, I mean, I guess the super mathy scoring is a little unusual. Yeah, but thankful, thankfully the scripting did it all for us, but... Yeah, I, I like the I really like the bidding piece. I wish bids were more important. It felt like a lot of times it was like, oh, I'll take any of those three. They fill, fill a column yeah. I want. They're all going to yeah. be worth points at the end. And I guess if you really got into the math side of it and kind of figured out exactly the best move to make, that would be a game, just not a game for me. <laughs> right, yeah. right. Or I think any of us. And BP... There were a lot of rounds where like Eric and I would reveal our coins and BP would just be like, ah, screw you guys. And yeah. Then, and then looking at the final score for the coins, like BP was a third of the coin points as Eric. Yeah. And I had almost half, almost double. So like there was no way she could compete eventually. Well, I yeah. also, she did take that one hero that let her play after us. And then that meant- Yes, and I think that was clutch for her. Because right, because make, especially if I was so behind on coinage that just allowed me to even continue yeah. to play. I think it was important for you to have that one. That last mm -hmm. round, I needed an, a ranger to complete a row, and Kiwi took one and BP took one. And despite having my massive coin advantage, I lost two out of the three that I needed. So uh, speaking of mechanics, though, in the bidding, um, there's this game that we used to play like ages ago that had a great bidding aspect to it, and we always went different routes. Spartacus. Sure. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like this needs that Spartacus, because at least then we would have like gladiator fights. Like, I feel like at the end of maybe like the age, instead of like just getting like, oh, you have the most of this. What if you did just throw in like, oh, you guys are going to 
fight the thing, bid to fight the person. I don't know. Anyway, yeah, that's I a can't imagine game. this style. Yeah, game that's, a, that's a, a different. Yeah, fighting. That's a, that's a different kind of mechanic. <laughs> Although that is fun. That, that is fun bidding, though. Yeah. yeah. It's right, right up there with for sale. Yeah. That bidding is fun, too. The key about this game is the math, I think. I think that's what you're supposed yeah. to really get into. And I, that's why I think it's lacking for us is that the big piece of, oh, yeah, you're supposed to math all these things out mid-game and whoever can do head math better is going to come ahead. And I think that's probably the game. Uh, yeah. But yeah, like I said, for us, it just feels like it's missing something, I think. Um, but what's there the bidding and stuff is is interesting i do kind of like the um building rows and having different points like that too Mm -hmm. i I like what they have it just yeah too much math um rules bp kiwi did a great job explaining once we got going i disagree why i'm i think that rule that i messed up was pretty significant oh yeah i forgot about that it was and and i think there was just a lot to it especially i think with all the different things. So I wasn't, it took until pretty late in the game for me to like, I think at the last round I looked up what uh, miners do and point wise. Cause I was like kind of just trying to complete rows, I guess, and not worrying about the actual scoring on them. So I think that was a lot to take in. And then um, bonuses at the end of round one, I would have probably played different if I remembered that right. was a thing. Yeah, but I didn't, it was just, yeah. It wasn't necessarily anything Kiwi did wrong. It's just, there's a lot. There was so much that I was like, I, I couldn't keep track. And it's one of those games where like when you miss age one ended, do this, do the point scoring there. And it's like, well, you if you didn't realize that was going to happen, there's no like, oh, I'll just pick it up the next round. So tricky one to learn, I think. Yeah. So the rule I messed up was, is, and I don't even know why there's two rows of coins that go all the way up to 25. And I was like, ah, you can't go above 14 because that bottom row on tabletop simulator. And I don't even know why I. Missed it. So we were stopping at 14 every time. So Eric probably should have had a couple higher coins than he had. Yeah, it would have changed because I was playing a coin strategy. Probably would have changed a bit there. And I didn't question it because I thought, oh, maybe round age one, you can only go to 14. Yeah. Um, but it's, I don't think it impacted too much. Yeah, and the rule book wasn't great. It, it does a, it does a thing that I dislike where it kind of like jumps around a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like even when I had to go into the rule book to look stuff up, like I had to jump around to find it because it wasn't in a space that made sense. Um, and I wondered because I had to go through it like once or twice. And I wondered if there were some places where like some translation mm-hmm. might not have been super great because uh, they do thank a translator on the back. So it definitely was translated. So I wonder if maybe some of it was translation error and that just made it a little bit hard to read. So it's not a it's not a great rule book. It's not the worst I've ever read, but it's not great. Um, Player interaction. There isn't any. <laughs> so I think in the first few rounds, I was thinking like, OK, like an explorer came out and I was like, ooh, an explorer. I want one of those like and I thought, OK, they're going to go probably going to both use their high coins on the first one. So I'm going to use my zero then and then do my higher coin on the second one where I wanted something. So that was like the first two, two rounds maybe. And then after that, like our coins got so different and I just had high coins and then I stopped paying attention to what you guys were doing. Yeah, I'll agree with that. I think the first couple of rounds is probably where you get the most interaction. And then after, after that, it's kind of more like a game like, um, other auction games where you're all uh what was um you haven't played it um 
Isle of Sky or something <laughs> where we were all kind of in the same range of our bidding. Mm. So you kind of uh, okay. paid a little more attention to what people were doing. But then by the time the coins got out and I didn't couldn't keep track of what coins you even had. So it's kind of like, I don't know, I'll just play my I want this one. I'm going to play my highest coin. I don't care about this one. I'm going to play my lowest coin. I mean, I yeah, I mean, I was zoomed so far in just to see my stuff. That's how much I was paying attention to the rest of you guys. I was asking, making Kiwi tell me, what did you guys reveal? Because I didn't want to try to shift around. Well, that, yeah, that was that, like you had the one where you just played after us. So you didn't have to really think about what we were going to do. You just waited for us to reveal what we did and then reacted. So yeah. to me, like the, the key interaction in a good auction game is like trying to figure out what you guys are doing. Would you play it again, Kiwi? No, I don't think so. Um, I like the idea of it. I think in execution, like, I mean, thankfully it went pretty fast. I just, it was a little bit boring for me. And then the scoring at the end is just insane. I felt like that could have been done differently. When I saw the scores on BGG and they were like 280, 300, I was like, holy holy crap. Are we bullying? Yeah, what are we doing? Uh, so yeah, I, I, that's about I, my bowling score. I, I don't think so. I wasn't uh, super into it. Uh, BP. Um, I'm a little torn. Um, it was so fast, and I do, to a certain extent, like the idea of the bidding. Um, so I think, like, if somebody brought it out, I I would. I might not go seek it out it just depends on what else might be available at the cafe but um yeah i'd I'd play it again um this might be a rare bp is the only one um i was i was leaning towards yes as we were playing but then as we were discussing i realized so much of the game is probably built around that math and being able to math mid-game to figure out is a miner or a warrior the optimal play here yeah. Um. And I know that I'll just never get into that, so I'll probably pass on future games. But I did like the core mechanics. I think if mm-hmm. if they maybe just if you if there were a, a similar mechanic set, but just with a different like primary reason, changing from math to maybe battling a dragon. I don't know. Um. Then I'd be more into it. So I did like the central. I mean, mechanics, let's. But... Yeah. Let's be honest. I'm not going to math anything. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but I, I, yeah, I think Eric's at, in a much better way. So yeah. exactly what I was thinking as well. Like, I don't want to sit down and do it because a couple of times I did think about it. Like, oh, like what's worth more, a blacksmith or a, or a whatever. And it's like, I'm so high on blacksmiths. It's like blacksmith was always the answer. But see, I don't think um, it maybe was. Uh, yeah, that's, it's so complicated. I think it would take a lot of plays yep, to really figure exactly. that out. And then, yeah, but I was the same way. I was like, well, I'm just going to take this one because it's easier to figure out the difference yes um, yeah all right uh god i gotta say one more time yep uh <laughs> that was nidaveltier yeah i think that was right yeah at least it was the youtube video that we sounded and who knows if that was right <laughs> If you have any recommendations of games then you would like to hear our impressions on or stumbling of words over, just send them our way. You can do so uh, via Gmail, First Turn Tabletop, and Twitter and Instagram. We are at First Turncast, and our podcasting camel is, he really is raging against a dragon this time around. He says, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcatchers. We look forward to hearing from you. Play more games.
right, Eric, you're ready? I used my lowest coin on him, don't worry. You used your lowest coin, fuck you. <laughs> So who goes to fight? Just you? Just me. So where's the fight? No, that's it. That's the, that's the end of the game. It's a metaphorical fight. Did you win? Yeah, probably not. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, we won because we stayed at the tavern.